0: I'd rather be to celebrate the gift of this nation than in the Lord's house. Last week we began a sermon that was actually a a call to battle. Because of the things that are taking place in our nation today, it, it is a call for the church to rise up and be the church. If the church doesn't rise up, we're going to lose the precious nation that we have there's no ifs ands or buts about it last week I titled the message if ever there was a time it is now and today I told you I would complete that message I didn't have time to finish everything that was on my heart and so if you missed last week's message I encourage you to go back to the website and and view that message and you can see the first part but we covered five points last week first of all we need to trust in God's Word. And we began looking at 2 Chronicles 7.14 where God makes a tremendous promise. He says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's God's promise to us today. Amen? The second thing we talked about last week was God's love flowing through our lives. That our nation needs to experience people with a genuine love of Christ flowing in their lives and through their lives. Third, it is time, church, that we rise up and we value life. God values every life. Every life is precious to Him. And we are called to to cherish life life in the womb is still precious God has a plan for every life and it's time the church began to rise up and say we're going to fight for the unborn and we're going to fight for those that are in their senior years amen I'm getting I'm getting actually I read something the other day that said I'm already a senior I said no But we need to value every life. Fourth, love the body of Christ. We need to quit being nitpicky and pointing out differences between different denominations and come together as the Bible-believing, born-again bride of Jesus Christ and stand up for what Jesus tells us to stand up for. And fifth, we need to pursue Peace. That's where we ended last week. Pursuing peace among all people. Well, today I want us to look at five more points, but I want to begin in Genesis chapter 5, and I want us to look at the life of Enoch, because one of our founding fathers thought so much of Enoch that he wanted to imitate his life after Enoch. Today, many times you'll hear people say that our founding fathers, if anything, were just deists, that they believed that there was a God who kind of started it all, but then he stepped back, and he doesn't have anything to do in the lives of people. In church, I want you to know, if you study the founding fathers, the majority of them were very dedicated, devout Christians. Four of them were pastors. Many of them were pastor's sons. Others were lay leaders in the church. But one of our founding fathers, he wanted to emanate Enoch in his life. And so, I want us to read chapter 5 of Genesis, starting with verse 21. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. In Hebrews, it tells us just a little more about Enoch. In the New Testament, in the great hall of fame, chapter 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found. Did you notice that? Enoch did not see death. He was walking with God. He was so intimate with God. He had such a wonderful relationship with God that one day God just took him. He didn't see natural death. It continues in that verse and it says, For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then in Jude verse 14, we have... final passage about Enoch. It says, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of His saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all the ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. I want us to note, church, Enoch was a man that excelled in godliness. He was a man that wanted God in his life. He wanted that fellowship with God. Every day he would walk with God. That was his heart, and that's what he lived out. He was a godly man. And he was also, according to this passage, a preacher of righteousness. He didn't compromise. Church, we need to make sure that we are not compromising when it comes to the things of God. Are you with me? Because there are many people that want to compromise so that they'll fit in. So that they won't be rejected So that that everything will just be smooth and peaceable. So they begin to compromise what God's word says. And church, that gets you in trouble deep. And it gets you in trouble quick. Church, we need to make sure that we love the sinner, yes. And we, we reach out to them and we let them see the light of Jesus and the salt that we are called to be. We need to let them know that we love them unconditionally. But we also need to tell them, church, that right is right and wrong is wrong. And if you want to know what right is, God has laid it out clear as it can be. This is the Word of God. This is what righteousness is. And this is how God calls us to live. And we're not going to compromise that. We will love you. We'll pray for you if you don't want to live according to God's law, but we're not going to compromise our stance or our beliefs because you or our culture decides they don't want to w- follow God's Word. Amen? How, how many admit that's hard to do sometimes? Because we've got family and we've got friends and other acquaintances and people that we know that, that they're, they're blatantly, well, I don't believe that. That's... That's not right, and that's being prejudiced against me in the way I believe. No, we're not being prejudiced against you. We love you. We love everybody. As a Christian, amen? But we're not going to compromise the Word of the living God and the truth because it brings blessing into our lives. Amen? So the first thing, the first point I want us to see today is that Enoch was a preacher of righteousness, that he denounced sin and unrighteous lifestyle in his generation. So the first point is, we must love purity. We must love righteousness. And we must strive not only to live it, but to share that that's the life God calls us to and that's the life that brings His blessing into our lives. Paul, writing to the Philippian church in chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 14, said this Do all things without complaining and disrupting, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault. Listen to that without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. We're called to shine. And it's easy to shine when you're living and walking with God and proclaiming His righteousness through the way that you live and through what you believe. Paul was writing here, church, we need to understand that, to one of the worst places in the world at that time. It was literally a a hellish place of perversion and sinful corruption. And yet, he called them to live a life in the midst of that perverse culture that would shine and that's what we need to get to today amen the seventh thing Enoch trained the next generation I love this look at this he walked with God 300 years and in that same verse it says and had sons and daughters church We need to make sure the next generation understands where we are in our lives, what we believe, why we believe it. It's not just something where you say, well, we were born Baptist and we're going to be Baptist. Or we were born non-denominational. We're going to be non-denominational. It's we were born Christians in our household. We believe this is... The Word of the living God. We believe that we live by it. This is our practice of faith. And and let me tell you, it doesn't end there, church. Enoch walked with God. His children saw him every day living a righteous life that was impacting them 300 years. He walked with God diligently. It wasn't where, oh, we're going to be Christians on Sunday. And Monday through Friday, we're going to kind of fudge. Nobody's going to know if we are or not. He walked it out daily before His children. I love that. Amen? And I'm not talking about just taking them to church on Sunday because I've seen a lot of families that took their kids to church on Sundays and when the, church, when the kids grew up and left home, they never entered into the church again. It's about more than coming and assembling together. It's about leading your children and teaching your children and them seeing your life. Now, we know we're not perfect. Amen? Everybody say, Pastor Milt's not perfect. And I'm not either. <laughs> how many... How, how, just about everybody said Pastor Milt was not perfect, but I maybe two people said I'm not. My kids will tell you I'm not perfect. They were raised in a home, though, that they knew I was striving to walk with God every day. They knew I was in God's Word. They knew we prayed together. They knew we shared the Word of God. They were in that atmosphere, and there was a day when they said, I want Jesus to be my Lord and to be my Savior too. Not just Daddy's Savior or Mommy's Savior, but the day they said, I want to walk with God too. And church, Christianity in this nation is just going to disappear if the church doesn't rise up and walk it out like Enoch... Before the next generation, if the Lord tarries, that our children will rise up and carry on the faith. Amen? So Enoch trained, he modeled for the next generation. And Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7 is the verse that goes with that. God says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. That's the commandments of God. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. In other words, a relationship with God is something that is demonstrated and experienced all through the day. And your children see that. Now one of our founding fathers named Benjamin Rush, he wanted to imitate Enoch. He found him a compelling example He was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. And after he signed the Declaration, there were American patriots that were giving him lots of praise for what he had done because he knew that he was going to be labeled as a traitor. It took courage to sign the Declaration and to take that stance. But listen listen to what... uh, he wrote in a letter to his wife, Julia. When he was receiving all this praise, he said, I shall be better satisfied if the same can be said of me as was said of the prophet of old. That I walked in the fear of the Lord and beget sons and daughters. than if it were inscribed upon my tombstone that I governed the counsels or commanded the armies of the whole continent of America. Think about that. Benjamin Rush said, I don't care if my to- for my tombstone to say that I commanded the armies or directed the council over this great nation that was being birthed. He said, what I want over my tombstone is for people to know that I walked with God, that I walked in the fear of the Lord and I raised my kids behind me to do that. That's how our nation was founded. By genuine men and women of God that, that knew that God was doing something special in this nation. That God had a plan for this nation and they wanted to be a part of that plan. Church, if ever there was a time for the redeemed of the Lord to say so, it's now. If ever there was a time for the redeemed of the Lord, for us to, to rise up and say, God, stir up in me the gifts of God that the world can see them, it's now. Benjamin Rush was that kind of a man. He had 13 children and 9 children lived to adulthood. And it was said of Benjamin by John Adams, that he was one of the three most prominent founding fathers. Now think about that. We don't hear a lot about Benjamin Rush. But John Adams said he was one of the three most important founding fathers. That puts him in with George Washington and Benjamin Franklin. Names we've all heard. Names that we understand. But this man had a heart to walk with God and to raise his children for God. And and also, he wanted to please God with his life. Just like Enoch. And church, the next point that brings me into in pleasing God, one of the things He's told us to do that we need to do, if we're going to see our nation continue to grow, continue to go forward, church, it's going to be that we need... To please God by blessing Israel. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, Abram received a promise from God. God had called Abram from the Ur of Chaldeans, he had called him because he was setting him apart to become a nation that through that nation the entire world would be blessed through the Messiah. This is the promise God gave him in Genesis 12 and 3. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Did you hear that, church? And throughout Old Testament history, this has been seen. Individuals that would bless Abraham or his descendants would be blessed. And individuals who came against them, who cursed them, would be cursed it is imperative church that the united states of america continue to support israel because god calls us to do that and the day we turn our back on israel is the day we will push away the blessing of god and open up our country to the curse you may not like to hear that but that's bible amen amen So church, let's do what we can to call our senators, our congressmen, those in authority over us. And let's encourage them. We're on the side of Israel. We want to continue to be friends with Israel. We want to bless Israel. Why? Because God says He's going to bless us when we bless them. We want to please God. And He's called us to do that and number 9 number 9 at all costs we need to preserve liberty in our country one person like that at all costs and you won't hear that from very many pulpits And let me tell you why. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that because I'm just patriotic. I'm saying that because the evidence shows us that God had his hand on this nation from the beginning, he had a plan for this nation from the beginning. And through this nation, church, God has taken the gospel around the world. And we have served other nations with the love and the life of Jesus. And and there are those that, that, that come against our nation today and say all these things, and I know our nation isn't perfect it has never been perfect but there has always been an underlying strong Christian morality and values in our nation and Christians that have been praying and desiring to take the gospel around the world the moment we give in and lose our liberties guess what then the missionaries that we've sent out aren't going to be sent out anymore the churches aren't going to have the freedom to preach Everything is going to turn the other, other way if we don't have the freedom. And God's Word says, when the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. And I am patriotic. I love this nation and I want my kids to experience freedom. I want my grandkids, if the Lord tarries, to experience the same freedoms that we have. And they're they're being taken away. Just this week, I'm on Facebook with a bunch of pastors and we have a private chat room. And one of the pastors in California said, what do I do? Our governor just told me that we cannot sing or chant in church any longer. And he was frustrated. He was frustrated because at the same time, they're not saying anything about all of the crowds that are gathering in protest side by side, many of them not wearing masks. Nothing's being said about that as they're shouting. And I'm not saying, I'm thankful that we can protest in our country. I'm thankful that we can peacefully do that. And I'm not trying to be political, church, but I'm, I want to see a nation saved. But when a protest becomes violent and begins to destroy things, it's a criminal act and they should be stopped. Two wrongs don't make a right. And I want to give people an ear. I want to hear what they have to say. I want to know what their grievances are. And I believe in, in being... In righteousness that we love everybody and we want everyone treated the same we want justice for all amen but peaceful protest is one thing but when it crosses the line and they don't do anything about it that's going to destroy our nation the Lord I believe wants to save our nation he wants to bring up men like George Washington and others that they said were deists. And I want to, I want to just spend a, a moment on George Washington. Because you hear it all the time. Our history's being rewritten. We are where we are today, church, because of godliness in our founding fathers and in, in the founding of this nation. We were founded as a Christian nation. And church, I'm gonna make a declaration. I don't care what President Obama says, we are still a Christian nation. and it has nothing to do with him but what he said i don't agree with we must continue to be a christian nation or we're not going to be blessed i want to give you just a moment about george washington he was a very devout christian in fact he when he was 20 years old he he left his home and began a life of service for this nation and listen to to what his, uh, well, listen to some of the beautiful prayers that he wrote. He, uh, he wrote some beautiful prayers in a little booklet that he called The Daily Sacrifice. The very first entry, listen to this prayer. Let my heart, therefore, gracious God, be so affected with the glory and majesty of thine honor that I may not do mine own works, but wait on thee and discharge those weighty duties. Which thou requires of me. Does that sound like a deist or somebody who knows Jesus personally? (laughs) The second post on a Sunday evening. O most gracious God, I acknowledge and confess my faults in the weak and imperfect performance of the duties of this day. I have called on thee for pardon and forgiveness of sins, but so coldly and carelessly that my prayers are become my sin and stand in need of pardon. I have heard thy holy word, but with such deadness of spirit that I have been an unprofitable and un, uh, unforgetful hearer. But O oh God, who art rich in mercy and plenteous in redemption, mark not, I beseech thee, what I have done amiss. Remember that I am but dust and remit my transgressions, negligences, and ignorances, and cover them all with the absolute obedience of Thy dear Son. That those sacrifices of sin, praise and thanksgiving, which I have offered may be accepted by Thee in and for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ offered upon the cross for me. Beautiful prayers. When we think of George Washington, we, we think about a general. We think about a man's man. A leader of men. A, a man who faced fear with, with great, great courage and led his men in battle. And fought in battles. He was a great warrior. But church, I want you to know, God uses great warriors. He used King David. And he used George Washington. In fact, one of the battles, and I don't want to belabor this, but I want want, our history being rewritten. Our history right now, there are people trying to destroy it. And, church, our history matters. In July the 9th, 1755, Washington was in the French, what's called the French and Indian Wars. And he was in the battle of Mongahelia. And his commander was killed and the British army was decimated. But he came out alive. He even wrote a letter to his brother Jack. And in that letter, speaking of that time, he said, Death was leveling my companions on every side of me. But by the all-powerful dispensations of providence, I have been protected. He acknowledged God's hand was upon him, Church. That God brought him through. And something amazing happened 15 years after this battle. He was exploring in the wilderness territory. And there was a chief that was engaged in that same battle. And, in, and that chief came to him with an interpreter. And he sat down at a, a council fire. And this Native American chief said this to George Washington, he said, I am chief and ruler over my tribes. My influence extends to the waters of the great lakes and to the far blue mountains. I have traveled the long and weary path that I might see the young warrior of the great battle. It was on that day when the white man's blood mixed with the streams of the forest that I said, behold this chief. I called to my young men and said, Mark yon tall and daring warrior. He is not of the red coat tribe. He hath an Indian's wisdom. And his warriors fight as we do himself alone is exposed. Quick, let your aim be certain. And he dies. Our rifles were leveled. Rifles which but for him knew not how to miss. "'Twas all in vain, a power mightier far than we shield him from harm. He cannot die in battle. I am old and soon shall be gathered to the great council fire of my fathers in the land of shades. But ere I go, this is something that bids me speak in the voice of prophecy." And then he prophesied over Washington. He said, listen, the great spirit protects that man and guides his destinies. He will become the chief of nations, and a people yet unborn will hail him as their found as the founder of a mighty empire. Why do I share that today? Because we've forgotten. We've forgotten that God had His hand on our leaders, and not that they were perfect. Just like King David, he was used by God. He loved God. God even called him a man after his own heart. But at the same time, he made big mistakes. And I'm not saying our nation is perfect or that we haven't made mistakes. But I am saying God had a plan for the United States of America. And God still has a plan for the United States of America. I believe that with all my heart. But church, we need to rise up. We need to get out on our knees. We need to get into battle. We need to pray for our leaders and pray for our, 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 the church to rise up and pray that we will be the salt and be the light. We need to have the passion that our, our founding fathers had and that relationship, that desire to walk with God and to be used by God. Church, I still believe we can have revival in the United States. I still believe that we can have another great awakening. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're believing God for. And I'm not going to forget about how God used men and women that were surrendered to Him in the beginning. And that's why we're blessed today. I'm thankful for those that serve Our country in various different ways. In 1 Timothy, it tells us in chapter 2 that we need to pray for all those in authority above us. In Romans chapter 13, it tells us we need to be part of the political system that we're in, in whatever nation that we're under. In church, that means that we rise up and have a voice. That means we just don't sit back like like Enoch. What did he do? He was a voice of righteousness in a perverse generation. Call your senators. Call your congressmen. Vote. God calls us to choose. And He says choose righteousness. People all the time ask me, well, who should I vote for? Vote for the candidate whose life and principles and platform line up closest with Scripture. It's that simple. Because God tells us to choose righteousness. And church, again, my heart today isn't trying to be political. But we must preserve the liberty that we have. It's up to this generation. We have to stand for what's right. Because God still has a plan for America to send more missionaries to reach out to the world. You realize who sends the most humanitarian aid around the world? No one else, no other nation comes anywhere close to what the United States does. God's blessed us so that we can do that. And finally, I want to end with this. Demonstrate, declare, and dispense the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It sounds so simple. It sounds like, yeah, we know that, Pastor. But we have to demonstrate and declare and dispense the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wherever we go, we have to be the salt. We have to be the light. I'm amused at thinking about George Washington being such a passionate man of God and Benjamin Rush just like that. There's no doubt that those that were under him knew he was a man of prayer. There's there's no doubt that the men under him knew that he was a man of God. There's no doubt that they knew in, in those battles when he would come back. One instance I read actually said there were bullet holes through his coat, but not one of them touched him. church we have to get on our knees and pray for this nation. On Sunday nights, that last Sunday night we had a great crowd show up and we were praying for this nation. Tonight we're going to do the same thing. If you can make it, I challenge you to come and just pray for this nation. In church, even though we're crying out a battle call, I want you to know I'm not living in fear. I'm not concerned, I'm excited because I believe the church is rising up. Because I hear this same heart from from other pastors around the country when I hear them uh, chat one another and we get together. Something is stirring in our hearts that even though we see evil intensifying in our world and and, and becoming so blatant and and that we are living in that perverse and crooked generation as well. Even in the midst of that, guess what? There's something stirring in the hearts of God's people. We know that Jesus has promised He's going to return for the church one day and until then, we're going to do business in His name. We're going to live for Him. We're going to to tell people about Him. We're going to pray, and we're going to see what I believe. The Bible talks about the greatest revival the world has ever known. And church, it's coming. It's coming. (laughs) I believe it. It's coming. And I want to challenge, in the the words of T.D. Jakes, and I love him, Get ready, get ready, get ready. Amen? Amen? Church, rise up, rise up, rise up. And begin to pray. Begin to believe God. Claim His promise. 2 Chronicles seven fourteen is still a promise for the people of God. It's a promise for our nation today. If my people who are called by my name, he's saying if the church will rise up, the people that know Him will rise up. Seek His face. Turn from their sin. He's going to hear from heaven and He will heal our land. Amen. Stand with me. I want the worship team to come. You may be here today and... you think this pastor's a nut. No, but I'm passionate about Jesus and I'm passionate about our country. And our country's here today because there were people like Benjamin Rush and George Washington that loved God and loved people, and knew that God had a plan for our nation. And church, we need to rise up like that. Be determined. Lord, I'm not going to live for You just a couple years and then take a break. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to live just a little while for You and think, oh, I can just, I can just set that Jesus stuff aside for a while. And when, before I die, then, then I'm, I'll get things right with You, Lord. We need to be like Enoch every day, 300 years. I'm living for Jesus. And my children are going to see me live for Jesus. And one day I am going to stand before the Lord and He's going to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Just like Enoch, God's going to be pleased with us. You say, Pastor, I've failed, I've made mistakes, and I don't even know if I'm right with God today. I want to challenge you. All you have to do is pray and get right with Him today. Some of you may have never made that commitment at all. And that's the most important decision that we make. Lord, I recognize I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. I need Jesus Christ to be the Lord over my life. And welcome Him into your life. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come and, and around the back and across the front. And maybe you're in a battle for your your family right now. Maybe you're in a battle in in, in your financial situation or physical situation or emotional situation. Maybe you're in some kind of battle today. These men and women of God want to come alongside of you and agree with you in prayer and pray for whatever need that you have today. They want to enter into the battle with you church we enter into the battle on our knees and when just a moment ago when I talked about point number nine about sustaining our liberty at all cost it begins on our knees praying for God to get a hold of our nation That's where the battle's won. Are we willing to do that? I'm going to have the worship team pray or lead us in worship while our prayer team members are here. And if you have a need today, you want prayer from any of our our team, will you come? There's some in the back as well if you're closer to the back and you just like to slip out. We're a church that believes in prayer. We believe that God hears and God answers our prayer. Do you have a battle that you're in today?
1: Whatever that battle
0: is, we want to pray with you. Whatever that battle is.